Okay, episode 9 of Stodcast. Um, hopefully this is the last ever um, intro I ever record. I'm sick of doing them. I'm going to try and get a guest to do them because it's more inviting that way. Nobody wants to hear my voice immediately, really. Um, so this is yep, episode 9 with Sophie Eggleton. She is an interviewer. She is a podcaster. She is a kind of artist who makes who made prints um, she's an all around lovely person to be honest with you like really I was nervous about doing that interview podcast I hate calling it interviews that's just weird um, the podcast with her I was very ill that day as well I didn't feel great mentally or physically and but we'd agreed to do it and I was excited to do it I was very nervous to do it um, and I hit a couple of brick walls but they got edited out Nobody needs to hear that shit. And Sophie helped me get back on track with the conversation. And she's just very professional about it. She's very, very sound, very, very lovely. She comes across so nice, which is, you know what I mean, what you need. Um, when you hit a brick wall or you're nervous, the last thing you need is somebody hating on you while you do it. So, yeah, she was just amazing, really. Um Finally got this mixed and edited, etc. So yeah, big massive thank you to Sophie. Uh, we wanted to chat, but we chat about uh, general her life, um, the music industry, working in the music industry, the sometimes difficult challenges it can be being a woman in in the industry, which is obviously unfair. Um, but here we are, we're getting through it. It's getting better and better. Uh, what else do we chat about? I'm really bad at remembering. Oh, we chat about our DIY at home. She is very creative at home. Um, she's got her own Instagram page. Go follow that. Uh, talk about her podcast she does with her friend. Um, we just chat about loads of different things. Basically me, because I've enjoyed her work since I was like 16. I've been following it for years. Um, she's interviewed so many of my favourite bands. So I just kind of got to pick her brain for like an hour and a half. And like bring up like conversations and ask how things were and that. So I was really happy with it, how it turned out. I thought in my head when I recorded it, I was like, oh, that sounded really shit. I don't want to release that. And I listened to it back. I was like, nah, that's actually really, really good. I'm so chuffed. So, and I can give Sophie full credit for that because it wasn't me that made it sound good. So, yeah, uh, yeah, just thank you for anyone who has returned to listen. Go support Sophie in some way. Just follow her or something. Uh, I don't think she's got anything for sale right now. Listen to her podcast. It's a lot better than mine. A lot more professional. A lot less profanity than mine. Uh, and yeah, just thank you for listening in general. And yeah, we're nearly at number 10, the milestone. How I've got this far, I'll never fucking know. Anyway, episode 9, Sophie Egerton, first podcast.
Right, so Egerton, thank you so much for doing this. Um, yeah, when I messaged you, I kind of thought you'd do it because you like to, you love just doing podcasts, obviously. <laughs> apparently, yeah, is, so. apparently so, yeah. Uh, but on top of that, you're just a generally good speaker and you're a very like friendly person to like, I mean, to watch. You know what I mean? Like in interviews and that, you seem very human. You know what I mean? You're not just a, oh. a stone wall kind of interviewer, like with stock questions and that, which is good. Oh, uh, it keeps it kind of kind of good. So yeah, massive thank you for for doing this with me. No, thank um, you for asking me. It's an honour. Um, so every time I get somebody on this, I always start with like, where did you grow up and that. So we'll just kind of go through that. What was your um your background? Where did you grow up? Kind of thing. Um, so I grew up in a place called, um, well, I was born in Chertsey um, and I've grown up in Surrey and because of the industry I chose and, you know, certain things that have happened in my life, I've pretty much stayed in the area for the majority of my life. I haven't really deviated much apart from going to uni in Southampton for the three years that I was doing my fine art course. And, but that was only an hour away as well. So I haven't really um, spread my wings as many other people have um, in terms of, you know, living in different areas of, of the world or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I love where I live. It's got everything I like. It's got places to um, go for nice walks in the country. It's got good places to eat. It's got top golf, which I'm really enjoying these days for some reason. I'm really getting into top golf um good pubs um you know it's got all i need and um i think i'm a, a creature of habit in many ways so it's it i don't mind that i've stuck around <laughs> nice um it's so annoying i've got like, the stock questions in my head of what i usually talk about so you're an obviously big in the kind of music industry you do know that how did you get into music and then how did that lead into what your career was because you did stuff before interviewing as well you did like makeup and all of that or like design yeah do... it's, it's it's a very convoluted story you might regret asking me this question <laughs> but um yeah so music if we go back to my school days I was always into music um I hung around with I guess in those days they were called the metalers you know we were into like um, new metal and that kind of music so I grew up and hung around with, you know, the group that was really into music. I liked gigs from an early age. I went to Slipknot's first UK gig at Brixton Academy. Is that the Astoria? Oh, is it the uh, Brixton one? Yeah. Every, was... Everyone claims to go to the Astoria on the Brixton gigs. Everyone was there, apparently. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. But um, So, yeah, I've always been into music, but then I was also in the orchestra at school, so I was like a band geek as well. Um, so um, I've always been into all sorts of different types of music. It's always been a passion of mine. Um, but I never thought I'd have a career, you know, with it involved in any way. I was always more into... Um, drawing and, and making that kind of art um, so I did fine art at university and then when I finished that I was like oh, what do I do with a fine art degree god knows um, so I thought let's try a few different avenues so I ended up going to uh, fashion magazines first and working in the fashion cupboard and helping on photo shoots and things like that styling you know whoever was on the cover of the magazine or who the models and things like that that led to working in styling and working on shoots for enemy magazine and some other things 
Um, and then I got a, a job at Alexander McQueen doing um, artwork for the fabrics and the, the dresses and things like that. And then I became ill and had oh. to give that all up and um, spent a lot of time just at home thinking, oh, what am I going to do uh, with my qualifications and with my, what my passions are that is kind of sustainable with someone that has no energy whatsoever um, to, you know, commute to London and yeah. to do all the networking that's required in creative industries. So yeah. I ended up just writing for online magazines and ended up doing like album reviews and doing kind of emailer interviews with bands. And then YouTube exploded and um, suddenly your editors were like, well, do you fancy doing stuff on camera? And I was like, oh my God. Not really, but <laughs> I'll give it a go. Um, and was this a was this culture compass? No, so this work? was no. no, this was way back. This is when I was doing stuff for um, a website called Bring the Noise. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And another one that um, Peaches Geldof was the editor of called Disappear Here. Um, and yeah, so I did my first video interview for Bring the Noise actually, and nice. that's where it kind of all kicked off. Nice. What was your first, who was your first band that you spoke to? It was actually a band called Outcry Collective. Never Do you remember them? them? Uh, they've no. got a band now, actually. Um, oh, my God, my brain's gone blank. They supported Young Guns on the recent tour they did in London. All right, so, okay. Um, God, my, we need to insert this because my brain's just gone blank and they're very good friends <laughs> of mine. Um, oh, my goodness. We you can, can tell it's the good. end of it's the end of the week. My brain is fried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was your kind of first one then. Uh, yeah, that you don't remember. <laughs> As, um, what made you get into Culture Compass then, or did that just kind of did you go from one to another, or did you just kind of work for a few? Cause you get people that work for a few different companies and send things and yeah, I just that... was, yeah, I was just pitching ideas to various different online places at the time um so I was writing you know some things are about fashion some were about beauty some were about health um but the majority was probably like film and music stuff and that's kind of the stuff that probably stuck the most and I got more things happening in those areas right okay nice one um when did you start going to like festivals and start Mm. doing like the the kind of classic videos that we know today of like oh. backstage at Slam Dunk, backstage at Hit the Deck, stuff yeah. like that. I think probably about 2010. Right, okay. Sort of that era. was a kind of peak of the scene at the time, I feel, for bands yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it a good time? Yeah. So many good bands, and I feel like the energy was really good. It was just really fun. Yeah. I think, I think there's a, a seriousness about the industry now that wasn't so prevalent back then and I'm not saying that's a bad thing but it's definitely evolved you know there's, there's a more rules feel. definitely there yeah. is more rules definitely um mm. but yeah kind of not I'm not saying not as fun but there is for my first gig was 2009 when you yeah. look back at I don't know if it's just a money thing too Covid probably didn't mm. help as well but yeah. yeah attitudes definitely um and how things are kind of worked I suppose I don't even know I don't even work but I bet you behind the scenes there is like a lot of changes yeah. and a lot of things how things were done back in the day but as well as it's just time unfortunately 
Yeah, and I think back then, social media was fairly new compared to it is now. And I think you you get this awareness of how you're meant to project yourself or things yeah. you're meant to say. or And also, you know, the job changes for the band members. Like, they know that social media is a big part of their business now. What they tweet out has to have direction. It has to have an agenda. They have to be careful what they say. Back then, it was a bit freer. Um, yeah. Mistakes were made. Um, you know, people... I don't know. It's, it was just, like I say, very different. And I think now you have to be a bit more choreographed to navigate how it works now. And maybe that changes things. Being more choreographed, though, doesn't make you more... Na- it's not as natural. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like folk, um, the people that tweeted like 10 years ago, you see it in social media at least like once or twice a year, there's a tweet that gets brought up or an incident. Mm-hmm. And that person has got like to answer for, you know what I mean? Yeah. And some of it's fair, some of it's milked, some of it, but a lot of it is like taken seriously and as it should be. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just you can't do anything now. It's social media. Everything, it, there's a camera on everybody, especially yeah. when you're famous. Like everybody's got a camera on you and whatever you do, no matter what you eat or drink or say, you're going to, it's going to get posted about, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's why I don't envy anyone that's in the limelight or is famous. I can't think of anything worse, frankly, of being observed really? to that yeah. level. Um, I think that's why, in a way, I've stepped back from certain things throughout my life because I've realised that I don't have the right mentality or the right kind of emotional strength to yeah. withstand that kind of um, attention and... Um, people analysing every single thing you say and do and move and, you know. Yeah. It, it's, it must be very scary. It's intense. That yeah. kind of brings me on to something, actually. So mm. I remember years ago I watched an interview, and I don't even like the band, but it's Pierce Reveal. But they oh, yeah. brought up a lot of, a lot of like, um, kind of comments about that, about, like, own personal space. And you're talking about how, like, like some days you just don't want it. You just want to roll into the venue and not speak to anybody. But there's yeah. fans queuing up and that, and mm. it, it must be really intense. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I don't want to answer one work text. Never mind wake up on the bus yeah. and there's like fifty fans wanting an autograph, a photo. <sighs> like photos, I think you should ask for. A lot of folk just take them. You know yeah. what I mean? It must be really mm. intense for a band in that position. You know what I mean? And if you don't say something to them, that's a lasting impression. And you yeah. get you come across as arrogant, and it comes online like, "Oh, this guy's a dick," or "This guy," you yeah. know what I mean? And it's sometimes not fair. You just some people need days when they're left alone, and that's fine. They just can't. You just can't help it when you're on a, a tour. You know what I mean? You it's, can't predict yeah. that. It's really a hard thing for them to navigate because at the same time they need to be really grateful for the fan base because they essentially give them everything they've got. But at the same time, it's fair enough if they want to create boundaries that says I'm happy with this I'm not happy with that some days I'm going to be comfortable with this other days I'm not and as human beings they should be allowed to do that but it's such a nuanced thing isn't it because like you say for one person might have traveled across the world to see them on that particular day spent lots of money lots of energy being really excited about it and then they have a really bad experience meeting them because they're having a bad day and that's really hard because no one's in the wrong here. That person's allowed to be disappointed and that person in the band, band's allowed to have had a terrible day. 
but you know no one comes out of that situation well and that's that's such a shame it's just a human thing that happens sometimes and we've got to try and be a bit understanding about that haven't we but it, it's it's really tricky yeah uh, it can be a bit um one of the other ones was uh, Jason Allen Butler this is probably one of my favorites that he did um and he was talking about like I've talking about his privacy his life in privacy um but talking about how how like stuff like awards and that can be treated like a competition or a sport mm. but it shouldn't be so it should be like a collaboration to help each other and that and I feel like there's a lot of well if you want me to talk talk about awards a little bit like I think they're obviously meant to be a celebration of, you know, art and the people within a certain industry that maybe doesn't always get the attention it should in the mainstream and stuff like that, when I'm referring to, like, um, alternative awards and stuff like that. But it can create, you know, competition. And I think, you know, in these industries, some people do feel like there's only a certain amount of spaces. You know, there's only certain slots on the lineup. You want to be as high up the lineup as possible. Um, and with music, there's sometimes like, God, they're copying our sound or or they're trying to steal our style or their cover looks very similar to what we did with our last album artwork. You know, that does happen. And it's I think it's actually all stems from the culture of the music industry because it kind of feeds off insecurity sometimes. Um, they're also like pitching people against other people. So it encourages that sense of competition when really, like you say, it should be this thing where we try and forge relationships. We try and help each other up the ladder together. We try and give each other tips and, you know, and, and advice and stuff like that. But I think because artists generally, we are sensitive souls um, we are insecure in many ways. And when we create this art, it means the absolute world um, to the person that's created it. So it's you become very fragile. And so, I don't know, sometimes it can feel like a war and a battle and these other people in this environment are our enemy when really they're our friend and they're part of our army and our team. But it's it can get really muddled sometimes. And I can't decide whether... I think awards are ultimately a positive thing or actually just feed into all of that. I, I don't yeah. know. With the, the kind of Jason thing again, he was obviously really, really great in that interview. Um, and you actually commented about it saying it was one of your kind of, this is one of the reasons why I do kind of interviews in that as well. Mm. Genuine people. Have you ever done like an interview that's just like I am getting nothing from you here, oh, and you just God, feel like yeah. you just feel like it's like it's hard, and even it could be a small person, it could be a big person, mm. um, and, but it must. Yeah, I've, luckily I've only I only speak to people on podcasts that I've kind of had interaction with before, mm. um, whether it's been social media or in person, mm. uh, or they just genuinely sound to do it, and I know there'll be a good conversation, but I can't imagine like traveling for an interview i mean they're only 10 15 minutes long some of them yeah. but you get there and this person is just like dead like they're just like yeah. a brick wall to talk to yeah oh i've had many of those yeah and it's really hard because on one one side of the coin you're like i've traveled sometimes hours to get to do the interview i'm not getting paid to do this interview so i'm also hemorrhaging money to do it and it's not been a nice experience and then I also know that I'll be the one that will get all the hate in the comments for it being a bad interview. 
um, because they, they're not going to say it about the artist because they're watching the interview because they like the artist. I'm the annoying interview that's not got anything out of them, you know? Um, so that's really hard. But again, it's going back to what we were just saying. Those people are allowed to have a bad day. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. I got them, you know, on a, on a day where something really bad happened in the morning before they came to the venue or perhaps you know one of my questions was a bit triggering and I'm not aware of that you know there's so many reasons but that's really hard because I I can sometimes take that really badly and think was it something I did what am I just really bad at doing this um you know and then when I also know that doing it was you know, making me very poor as well financially. There were times where I was like, why am I putting myself through this? <laughs> you know, it's That's a lot of thing. stress. When these are agreed, they're all like pre, pre-agreed pre kind of thing. They're pre-set up. So mm. like you said, um, when the person said yes to the interview, they could be in a great mood in that. But like you said, something could have happened in the morning. Yeah. Um, I actually watched the, the Fred Durst interview. I felt like that was a bit of a, a chore. Um, the well, one you yeah. did. Uh, but that again, like, Okay, Fred Durst, he's kind of like notorious for being Fred Durst, but like, mm. again, you were trying really hard, you know what I mean? Uh, and I felt watching it, I'm like, she's trying so hard, and I feel like quite sorry that you're not getting uh, the kind of back chat you deserve, you know what I mean? Yeah, but what's funny about that is, um, I know on the day he wasn't doing many interviews, and um, I was very lucky to get any time with him, so I felt that sense of being just grateful to get anything with Fred, because he wasn't... He had said no, basically, to doing much press that day. So I knew I was fortunate to be there, and I'd always loved Limp Biscuit growing up. So uh, I was going to take something away from that, that, oh, I got to, you know, chat with Fred Durst. That's great. Um, but actually, off camera, we got on really well, and we've spoken since, you know, he's he sometimes checks in on it. He's checked in on Instagram before, and, you know, he was really nice to me and polite and... Um, so I don't look back on that one negatively, actually. It might not have been the most, um, you know, insightful or flourishing conversation for a viewer, but in terms of the overall experience I had with Fred that day, it was generally good. Um, so yeah, that's not one that I think back on and go, Ooh, you know, where you feel that the cringe come over you. It was actually overall a pleasant experience, but you well, just so I'm just I'm glad I asked that then because like from yeah. from taking that away from just watching it you would think the absolute opposite but yeah. you just explained you about that's that's the beauty of like hindsight and um, what's it context as well yeah you know what and, I mean? so. and that, that's something I almost wish with interviews you could post a little video before or after and explain the actual setting the situation the things that happened before and after because it would change perspective so much on so many of the interviews. Like there's there's ones where I wish they'd known that the band had kept me waiting five hours and didn't apologise when they eventually did turn up, for instance, and then wonder why I seem a bit lethargic and tired. Or that they didn't know that actually I had food poisoning on the day I had to do that interview. Or that I didn't know I was going to interview the band that day and then the PR just thrust them in front of me and said speak to this band with no prep whatsoever but you can't do that so you kind of have to take the hit in the comments and decide whether you're gonna you know bite back and try to explain why that wasn't your best one 
or whether you could just go, I'm just going to leave it. I know the truth and it's fine. Yeah. Ugh, that's the thing, like, what you see on camera is just totally different from everything else. And again, yeah. it's like, it is like context, only you will know. But something mm. you just shouldn't really care about what other, what other people kind of think of it. Do you get a lot mm. of, I mean, you're not like a massive musician that gets like lots of hate for no. releasing the, the wrong music that they didn't want. But do you ever <laughs> yeah. get, did you ever get slack in comments? Is that something that you would get? Oh, I, I've, I've had negative comments. And I think in the early days, um, they really, really got to me. I found it incredible, yeah. incredibly difficult to let them just kind of um, wash over me and forget about them. I would stew on them, you know, for days and weeks. And it would it'd be something that could literally change my mood like that, um, make a good day into the worst day ever. And I just ruminate over them for ages. But I think I have got a thicker skin just because... I can see that, for instance, my favourite ever interviewer doing the best interview ever will still get negative comments. You yeah. know, some people just don't care. They, If they want to get something out of their system, they will find a way to do it. And you're not necessarily the reason behind it always. Um, so sometimes there's something deeper going on. And I've actually had conversations with some of my trolls and we've ended up becoming friends because I've, I've questioned why they felt the need to say something and be like, are you okay? What's, you know? And then we've actually ended up having a private chat and realising that they're going through something really difficult. And actually, it's been a really nice resolution. But you don't yeah. always get that nice outcome. It's the same either. in every job, though, because I work behind the bar, I'm a bar manager, and mm. I've had people, like, just freak out over stupid things. Yeah. Little things that can be resolved. And it just turns out they're having a shit day. You're yeah. just in front of them. You're just in front of them, and yeah. it's quite. It must be quite hard for you because this this is your career, and this is like your kind of art form of like becoming an. This is you. Know, I mean, your job, and somebody taking a dump on it because they've yeah. had a crap day, and that will affect you big time at the time. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Mm. It's just mental how folk don't realize that their words on like a comment on anything has an impact or like oh, an impact absolutely. on your job, and then mm. then you have a crap out of you on things. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's silly. That's why you shouldn't really. I mean, I've tried to stay away from Twitter and mm, Facebook, Instagram, and that. So, mm. yeah, social media is a toxic place, but we all know that anyway. Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. It does really have knock-on effects. Like, there's definitely been times where I've taken a break from the industry or said I'm not going to do this anymore, based purely on a specific comment. But then I also think it's important to recognise that there will be comments that will be valid. There will be people that will be saying things that actually are true and there might be things you need to work on or that you didn't do very well or you shouldn't have asked or you could have done better. And you've got to, you know, as a human, realise you are a work in progress and actually some of it will be constructive and there will be interviews where I didn't do a good job and I could have done better and I have to take that on the chin and be like, OK, they're right, actually. <laughs> um, you know, you can't... It's I'm not going to pretend I'm like who's a, like Parkinson, like oh, I'm a novice that's learning and, you know, that's fine. It's like bands as well, like they fuck up, they play their own chord, they sing their yeah. own note or say their own lyric. I mean, I just fucked up there. I just forgot a question halfway through asking a question. So, like, oh, everybody, normal, I mean... yeah. It is normal, yeah. Uh, luckily I can edit, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, um, I want to talk stuff about, like, your, your artwork and that you do. Um, okay. So, I don't know... The exact style of it is obviously black and white, uh, like outline drawn with words. I don't know if that's a, 
Is there a is there a typing? Is there a name for what you for what type of art it is? Well, it's always bo- it's always pictures of bodies usually with like a quote ne- or like a, mm. a sentence next to it. You know what I mean? Is that that stuff actually isn't really what I do? That was me trying something different actually. Because um, right, okay. When I was at uni, I actually did video installations. So my artwork, the the culmination of my degrees, was actually. Um, a room filled with TVs that had different videos going on. It was about, this is going to sound very geeky, but it was about cyborgs and um, the combination of human and machine and, you know, right. that kind of thing. So I was making video artwork, um, but I've always liked drawing as well. And I just try different things depending on what's going on in my life. And I think the pictures you're referring to was when I was doing a lot of kind of mental health related content. Yeah. So I wanted to create, you know, very simple, easily digestible, like things that I could pop on Instagram that were saying things that I wanted to talk about at the time. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say that's my style or that's my thing. It's just what I was making at that point in in time, I guess. Is this just you kind of making use of your your degree that you got? Um, <laughs> oh, try to do something with it. Wait, what are you? What is it you're doing now then? Like. Uh, artistic wise are you drawing much or painting do you know what I'm not really I think my kind of creative energy is being channeled into DIY and doing up the house so I'm 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 like painting walls all the time or painting you know making things upcycling so that's kind of where it's going now and I also go to a pottery class once a week as well so I'm making pottery so So I'm doing... I wish I had the interest for that. I've like I've got like horrendous like ADHD. I just can't figure. I just honestly can't. <laughs> like it's a miracle. It's a miracle. This is like my eighth podcast because I got told you'll give up. You'll do oh, two. Yeah. Something will go wrong. You'll give up. And I was like, that's probably going to happen. Something did go wrong as well. And I didn't give up. Well but done, it's, you. That's I'm good. Just, it's it's very annoying. Like I just can't. I wish I had like a drawing or like a painting or something or. I wish I could like had a relaxing, I don't know, hobby. You'll that... find something. You will in time. It just maybe you need to just try a few things and see which one yeah. sticks or which one gives you the most kind of um, zen vibes. Because <laughs> is that what you, you do when you're when you're drawn? Does that give you that? Like, do you feel like zoned out and like not mm. away from the world? But you know what I mean. Like you're clear from any thoughts, positive or negative, in your head. Is that something that you, yeah. you feel? Yeah, I definitely say so. I think, yeah, like you say, it just makes you focus on that one thing that you're doing in that moment. You're not going back and overplaying things that happened in your past that were embarrassing. You're not worrying about how you're going to pay the bills. You're literally just going, how am I going to finish colouring in this section? Or, you know, yeah. and, and and that's the best thing about these mindful activities. But I think actually pottery is the thing that's given me that the most at the moment because you have to smooth it out you have to make yeah. it look all nice you have to you have to concentrate because you've got to put on the handles and make sure they stick and they're not going to crack in the kiln and uh, yeah so I think pottery is my thing at the moment for that kind of mindful um activity peaceful relaxing thing that I do once a week I need to do yeah. more of it because it's only two hours a week the rest of the time I'm still like ah! <laughs> um you also have ADHD don't you as yes. well. do you, do you, do you struggle as well Oh. to like to like proper just sit down i mean it's mental I, i've always wondered what it's like to have a brain that just shuts down and shuts off it's just not like wacky yeah. races every day <laughs> we can't relate to that at all can we no it's, um, it's hard 
And, and that's why I think like if I went in depth about all the things I've done in my like kind of working life, it would pretty much be that I'd be the, the face of ADHD because I just go, oh, this sounds good. I'll try that for a bit. That doesn't work. I've mocked that up. Oh, okay, I'll try this for a little bit. Oh, that doesn't really suit me. Okay, I'll try. But at the time when I first start these new ventures, I'm so passionate and excited about them. And I think this is the one that's going to work. Yeah. This is the one that's going to stick. And you know what's coming. They never do. And then you try yeah. something else. Um, but yeah, and like you say, you don't switch off at night either. So then you get more ideas when you're sleeping as well. Yeah. That you're like, oh, maybe I should try that in the morning. You're like, I've got do enough you... to do. <laughs> was the podcast, was that one of those things, your podcast, was that mm. something that you thought at ADHD 2 o'clock in the morning, but you've actually stuck to it? You know what I mean? Was that one of those? Yeah, it, I'm sure it was. And that's why I got my friend Kelly involved, because I thought, if I've got someone else that's doing it, I've got kind of an accountability buddy, someone that will make me, you know, stick to the time that we've arranged, stick with it, keep going. And also, because I I feel uncomfortable about um, kind of promoting what I do and self-promotion. If it's with someone else, I won't feel so awkward about doing that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's both of our thing and she can shout about it on our behalf as well and I'm not having to go check out what I've done <laughs> do you know what I mean how yeah. do you cope with that being a kind of solo podcaster do you find the self-promotion side of I don't know I just I don't know um I started this purely because I started up I was doing a kind of band over lockdown mm. and I just didn't have the patience to try and learn to train my voice right. so I was like I want to do something else so basically it was like a I want to, so I'm, I love watching interviews and I love listening to podcasts and I love mm. listening to interviews and podcasts with people that I like. What I'm sick of is the same stock questions um, yeah. all the all the time. Yeah. So I kind of thought of this idea of like talking about a person and not talking about what they do, talk about everything mm. else. That that's the kind of idea around it. Um, and I ran it ran it past a couple of people. And they were like, that's actually a really good idea. And just like, so the kind of main goal was like, see if I got like Simon Neal on from Biffy. That'd mm. be like, that's usually, if, if I could ever lovely, achieve that, <laughs> yeah. that'd be amazing. But I would not talk about Biffy. He has done so much more things, mm. but Biffy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of the people I've got on, like I've got a, I had a tattoo artist called Sam Ricketts. Amazing artist. He's got like 100,000 followers. He's always booked up on, on his books. Mm. But he was in bands back in the hardcore scene years ago. Mm. Um, same with obviously like I spoke about Dan Mumford he's yeah. another one you know what I mean like massive artist works done work for like Iron Maiden and Metallica yeah. but nobody knew he was in Never the Moon and Landis back in the day mm. so it's just like stuff like that and then like yourself like talking about your your drawing and all that stuff and you know what I mean and it's yeah it's a, I like to keep it interesting as long as I know that I'm going to talk to somebody that's interesting and not a brick wall so unfortunately for you you get put in situations where it's like like your PR, you need to go speak to this person. You're like, shit, I know nothing about this person. Mm. Like I and or you might you might know something, but you might not want to speak to them. But you've it's your job to do. Yeah. And quite lucky with like I can kind of pick as many as I pick. A lot of them don't respond, which is fair enough. Like, oh. um, I know <laughs> I, it's it's growing. Everybody starts somewhere. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like when you're in a band when you're small, you'll you'll beg to support anybody. And you'll get a couple of extra people following you, and another couple, mm. another couple, and it grows and it grows. Yeah. And um, so I have noticed that when the more the more that I do, when people share it, 
it gets it gets kind of better. Um, I've just gone totally gone off topic there, but yeah. Um, but I think but you're, yeah, so, you're right sorry. because I think when you meet people, you so often go. The first question is like at a wedding or whatever. You'd be like, "Oh, so what do you do?" When yeah. really we should say, "Tell me what you like. Tell me yeah, what you enjoy. Yeah. Why do we care yeah. so much what people's job is? That's not the most interesting person a thing about a person, is it?" I know. But then when you're doing like an interview and a band's on a tour you're going to have to speak about the new album. Oh, tell me about the new album. Cool. Tell me how the new album sounds so much different from the last one, but it's exactly the same. Mm. Okay, cool. Tell me about the single and the video you just did. Okay, tell me about the tour. And it must be, it must be quite, I don't know, like brain dying sometimes. When Obviously you mix it up in that, but there'll be things you have to talk about that. Oh yeah, because PR wants you to, yeah. Exactly, but you know that day, they've already done 10 interviews the exact (laughs) same as you and they've just like literally robot robot themselves to answering the same question yeah. the same way you know what i mean so and you can see it in their eyes yeah exactly yeah oh it must be it must be hard um i think also what's interesting is like now because of tiktok you see well and just the way kind of social media culture's gone that um bands are doing more of those more random like funny kind of interviews now um and i think Back in the day when I was a woman being asked to do like the wacky or silly interviews, I was a bit guarded and a bit um, resistant to that because I was so aware that being a woman in the music industry that people already weren't going to take me seriously or think I was going back to be then, bad. Or yeah, now. Back then? Yeah, back then. Yeah, so 15 when, years ago. Yeah, so when clients were like, oh, can you just play a silly game with the band or something like that? I'd be like, oh... Because I knew that certain bands would be like, why is this girl asking us these ridiculously stupid questions? I didn't want that. But now I think the culture's changed so much that they they wouldn't mind. Certain bands would be up for that. And I would be more inclined to be happy to do those kind of wacky, silly interviews because I think, you know, the landscape of how you do these kind of interviews has changed because those little TikTok 30-second fun sound bites are kind of... The acceptable way to do music media now and it's embraced and people love it and they love how fun it is whereas back then I was like I want to be a serious journalist I want to ask deep questions and I was very adamant about that but I think maybe that was my mistake sorry that's my cat's bum no, that's <laughs> um, fine. <laughs> so like I would find it hard when I was working for clients and they'd want me to ask questions that I knew that some bands would be up for but some bands would be like give me the eye roll for yeah um, because no, you I kind of raised a few yeah so you kind of raised a few points there like mm. that is very true about tiktok i think i think majority of people are going to gain adhd from this in terms of their attention span if it's not 30 seconds long in a tiktok video they won't watch it you know what i mean mm. i bet i bet there's a massive diagra- like a kind of graphic scale of like big videos are not as popular in comparison to snippets yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's definitely a way kind of forward. Well, it's not even the way forward. It's just how it's done, Yeah. Um, I th- unfortunately. I, I don't know whether that's because, you know... Bluebird, can I just get out of the way, please? Um, we, we're so time poor, um, this generation. Like, we're stretched and pulled in so many directions. We're, we, we're part of so many apps now. We're, we're constantly being, you know, sent messages on our phone that... We just simply don't have the time to enjoy as much long form content as we once did because we've got all the box sets on Netflix we need to catch up 
on that everyone's talking about as well because we've got so many more channels now to watch um and so i think people just pick and choose maybe a couple of interviews that they enjoy watching long form whether it's zane lowe doing his you know long form interviews or whatever but on the whole people want that really quick easily digestible funny clip um like the chicken shop stuff you know that's, i don't get that's that usually put- i don't i don't get it you don't I just get don't it. get I don't get it in terms of okay, it's obviously meant to be awkward, but mm. don't know, I just don't understand it. It's I think she's a great interviewer as well. It's just meant to be awkward. Yeah. And it's shot really weirdly. You don't actually get a lot of conversation in between like videos of chicken and I don't know. I don't mm. understand. But she's it, found but... a niche, you see, that works. Yeah, that, yeah. That's yeah. purely hers and, and that and that's working really well for her. But if someone had said to me back in the day, We want you to do this, I'd be like Oh no, I don't want yeah, to be um, yeah. seen on a date with a band guy when I'm a woman trying to break into the industry and being taken seriously. But she's kind yeah. of owned it and said, no, this is how I'm going to do it. And she's made it work and it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, back in the day, that would have made me very nervous if someone had no. suggested to do that. As much as I don't get it, I respect it and appreciate yeah. it. Like you said, she's found her thing. You've kind of brought up, I wasn't going to bring it up because mm. you mightn't be over talking about it, but a female in the music industry starting 15 years ago like mm. I know there was a there's a been a, a swift of change and rightly so in the way like every like female bands mm. one of my favourite bands when I was 16 was a band called Eva Rose yeah. and constantly you just sound like Paramore you just sound like Paramore yeah, a female a female fronted band you just sound like Paramore and there's a lot of female bands like Spirit Box they're one of the leading bands not a big fan of them but I love what they're doing, uh, and yeah, like being like you said, take getting taken seriously. If it was a guy, uh, if it was fifteen years ago, and you they got asked to do a silly interview, it's yeah. like why is the female doing that? But if it was a guy, it'd just be like that's just another good interview. Yeah, and people you know would what I mean. Did you always <laughs> did you always kind of feel that? Was there always mm. that kind of vibe of like you don't get taken seriously just because of being a woman? Yeah, I, that- I th- yeah, I definitely think so, and. Some of it will be um, stuff that I've created internally myself and some will be a result of um, experiences I've had that have told me that is the case. Um, I think I've spoken about this before, about how I'd turn up for an interview and the tour manager of a band would be like, oh, I think one of the band sluts is here. And Seriously? I'd be like, yeah, and I'd be like, oh, while well, I'm standing right here and I'm like... Not that it matters what I'm wearing, but I wasn't wearing anything, you know, revealing or anything. Actually, yeah. I, I want to take that away because that's irrelevant information. It doesn't matter what I was wearing. But I was there to do a job. Nothing about my behaviour would say that I was there for anything else but to interview the band. But because of the culture, um, that was an acceptable thing for him to say. And as a woman, again, I didn't want to ruffle feathers. So I just brushed it off and laughed it off and went and did the interview and tried to be professional. But those things sting and you don't forget them. Um, oh, yeah. And then there's the, you know, there have been band members that have been inappropriate. Um, and, you know, PRs that have been inappropriate. And, you know, all these, there's layers of things that, as a female trying to carve a career as an interviewer or journalist, or whatever, will have experienced that will wear you down over time and also impact how you conduct yourself and impact how comfortable you feel in these environments. 
And over time, you you start weighing up whether it's worth it. And I got to that kind of point with it all, where I was like, for the reward, is it worth the stress I'm putting myself under and the awkwardness and the um, the moral dilemmas, <laughs> I guess. So, yeah. Do you definitely feel the shift? I don't know. You're not as active, are you, doing no, like that? No, for a good no. reason. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. But mm. do you notice the change, the difference in between 2008 to 2023 with being taken more seriously not as bad comments in fact there shouldn't be any fucking comments if I'm honest but mm-hmm. like just take it like the work you're given you know what I mean do you feel as well I, like from a from a kind of outsider point of view um, mm. with music like the, the industry itself like we just talked spoke about 10 years ago you didn't really have a lot of female bands really no. you know what I mean like Roll to Massey were like the kind of only kind of hardcore kind of punk band metal band back in the day there wasn't many other females but like nowadays like bands like wargasm um can't mind the girl that's doing that stuff for energy cody frost all that kind of stuff that's all but it's all just like it's taken over it's almost been like a build-up of like right you're fucking taking it back now it's almost kind of like that in a sense i don't know if you feel the same that you see that well, I think for a start, I, I imagine none of these people are overnight successes and they will have been plugging away for years oh, to get to that point. Definitely. Like, I, I remember Cody Frost. I remember watching her on The Voice and thinking, what a talent. Like, she was incredible back then. So she's been plugging away, doing things for years. And and I think um, it's so tricky because so many things influence, you know, whether women uh, become prominent in the scene and you know there's there's grassroots things that needs to happen there's things in the media that needs to happen there's the bookers that need to get these bands that they know are good on the lineup so then they can get the fan base that will allow them to explode and become these big acts um so i think maybe more people feel they're being held to account to be more inclusive and diverse and embrace these amazing female fronted bands and female bands and actually not refer to them as female fronted just refer to them as great bands you know um, yeah i'm quite bad for that for saying female well, fronted. it's habit just, yeah. isn't it yeah yeah, yeah, that's it, the thing. yeah because they used they used to be such an anomaly on a lineup that's how you would go oh there's a female fronted band within yeah. that you know bevy of testosterone or yeah. <laughs> willies or whatever um <laughs> but um yeah i mean that so much more needs to happen. I think there are positive changes. There are more females, hopefully higher up, you know, doing jobs in booking and, you know, deciding who goes on the lineups, people holding, you know, club nights and embracing new talent and stuff like that. And hopefully, you know, the female presenters out there, um, you know, you got Alex on uh, Radio One now as well. Alex Holycom, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, encouraging, you know, new bands and spreading the word about them. And, you know, there's there's lots of females in the music business doing great things and elevating, you know, female talent and non-binary talent. And, and, and that's all good. But I still think there's a way to go in terms of the overall culture. Um, and there's progress, you know, but it's getting there's better. Progress. Yeah. There's progress, but a lot to be done. And... Um, there's also things still being swept under the carpet and the things people say quietly, but saying things publicly that are polar opposite, you know, ticking boxes yeah. is happening a lot as well. There's um, 
there's um what's it gonna say? Fucking mind blank, honestly, what is wrong? With <laughs> no, you? it's at the end there of the week, my brain is fried. <laughs> Yeah, there is uh, definitely with new bands like like a t- like a kind of tick box like you said. We need to have that female fronted band. We need to have like the band of like color as well. There's always like that kind of thing when you look at a lineup. Like you can clearly see it's been like made up by somebody, and it's like right, we need to include this. We need to include that. Right, we're off the hook for another year, kind of thing. Yeah, um, and and figures most if they actually looked at the stats, they're still not doing enough and. If they were actually interested and passionate about music, there is plenty of bands that they could put on the lineup to make it, you know, 50-50 if they really wanted to yeah. with these things and to um, make it more balanced. But, I mean, there's no need to have the same bands on the lineups that's every year that some festivals do. I mean, when you think how many musical acts there are in the world, I know there's certain things that restrict things in terms of you know with visas and budgets and all that sort of stuff that comes into play but you know I I, like you say there's box ticking that's very obvious and then there's subtle box ticking and then there's some bands that you know should be there and should have always been there because they're just great bands yeah um, speaking of bands like that did you ever listen to Dead Sarah pardon Dead Sarah did you ever listen to them the band no, Dead Sarah. No. No, they're they're a band you should check out. Like oh, they've I'm been going for a then. while. Okay. Yeah, they're a genuinely great band. Dead Sarah, no H and Sarah. Okay. Um, cool. Uh, let's kinda of go back to more of the kind of interview kind of stuff you did. So hmm. your two biggest ones that I've seen is Hannah Snowden, um, the tattooist, hmm. and the woman with the body modifications. Oh, Grace Neutral. Yeah, um, what do you ever go do an interview and you're like, right, I already know this is going to get hundreds of views as soon as you're done? Obviously, it shouldn't matter about mm. the views, but did you walk away from both those going, they're going to be getting over a million, a million each? Is that something that oh, you can no, notice? Uh, no, I had, had no anticipation that they would, um, you know, get that many shares. But I guess at that point, when I think about it, uh, Hannah and Grace hadn't done that many kind of video interviews at that point, and I think they're. There was a fascination um, within the scene with with them and knowing more about them. So I guess it was inevitable that they would get seen and shared by people. But for me, in a way, those sorts of interviews that blow up, they're not necessarily helpful to my career No, in no. hindsight because people aren't watching it for me. They're Maybe your channel. For... You may get a few subscribers out of it. Or yeah, a but... Few... Yeah. It's true, but then if I don't post another interview with them, they drop off because they're really only there to see them. Analytics, though. Yeah. So if they show you a video, like, the next time they go into YouTube, your your newest video or, like, another high-rated video comes up. That's kind of how it works. Yeah. With I mean, analytics. Yeah, I'm sure it does. But, I mean, in terms of long-term, um, I don't know. I I think afterwards I, I was like, Everyone's like, when are you going to do another interview with, you know, insert Hannah or insert Grace? And I was just like, for me, I, I, I enjoy talking to them. They're really nice. They're really interesting. I, I enjoyed exploring, you know, uh, their lives and their careers and things like that. But I'm not here to just interview people that are... Um, yeah, you're not their personal blogger, you know what I mean? You're yeah. Somebody that's also- doing their job that just managed to score something that somebody actually was really interested in. Yeah, and I also don't want to be, you know, popular, 
popular by association or cool by association or have a career based around someone else's success I don't want to be just like basking in their glow because they're both very talented beautiful wonderful women but I want to you know people to appreciate me for something I've done or you know and I think sometimes you think that kind of thing oh well, that's going to be good if I you know one million people have seen my work but really people I was irrelevant in, in, in a way to many people I could have been I could have been you know, a, a blob of mashed potato sitting there interviewing them and they would have still watched it and enjoyed it because they, cause they love them. And that's absolutely fine. And I was very aware of that. But um, moving forward, I just wanted to speak to people that interested me. I wanted to have deep conversations because I really enjoy having deep conversations with people. And for me, it wasn't about interviewing, you know, the coolest or most famous or the person that's going to get the most reblogs or anything like that and I think actually those interviews helped me realize that in a way that what what actually nourished me in my work and what made me feel that sense of reward and it wasn't the numbers and it wasn't it going viral or anything like that it's whether you know I felt you know it was a successful conversation whether I got something out of it and whether they felt they got something out of it and I don't know does that make yeah. sense <laughs> no it does yeah it does um you don't drink do you um I um I had years of being a complete non-drinker and now I can have the odd one here and there but I'm not a good uh, drinker. right yeah did you ever like obviously you're professional what you do but mm. like during a podcast or say an off the kind of record interview or something that wasn't like for like a big magazine or something mm. did you ever have a couple of drinks to like did it ever did you ever notice a difference or did you ever like see like environments so obviously I've heard backstage like Ren Leeds is quite chaotic oh, yes, and there's a difference like so if me and you were to have this conversation in like a backstage tent mm. it'd be a different conversation because there's a bit of different noises it's not as like not the word intimate, but you know what I mean? It's not as like a, a thingy, yeah. you know what I mean? There's more happening in that. Mm. Um, did you ever notice a difference with stuff like that? Than... Yeah, I'd say the Kerrang Awards <laughs> red carpet interviews were always a completely different... They're so know. fast because they're walking <sighs> past you. They're, they're not walking past you, but you're just like next. You know yeah. what I mean? You're the next yeah. one to... You don't even have time to formulate a thought or you don't know who's going to come, whether you're going to get any time with it. You're being squished in between other journalists. You just got to hope something comes out of your mouth, that they can hear you and that you've got something that you can put together in an interview. You almost like in the situations I was in, at least, because I never got like a, a really nice allocated spot where I could feel relaxed and composed. Yeah. Um, it was it just felt very frantic and very um unpolished i guess um, yeah and th- there's some there's some fun to be had with the spontaneity of those moments and how wild and unexpected they could be and how drunk they're going to be on the carpet you know and what things they're going to say and do um and there's fun to be had of, of that but i think like when i'm doing sit down interviews at reading i would never drink um because I was just very focused on wanting to do a good job. And I thought, if they're a bit drunk, which they might be, at least one of us can kind of rein it Gave in. It. And yeah. Kind yeah. of and stay, keep us on track. It didn't always happen, but that was always my goal. So I don't think I was ever drinking when I was doing, like, festival stuff. No. 
Uh, but yeah. it might have been more fun if I had. I don't know. <laughs> but um, that's just the way I approached it personally. Is there any interviews that you wish you'd done or you wish you hadn't done, for example, like, wish you'd done in terms of, like, oh, Sophie, can you interview this band? And you're like, I've got no idea who they are. Like, I don't really want mm. to. And they could, have, they could have turned it to be a massive band. Or have you done an interview that you're like, I honestly couldn't have got out of that situation any faster? Has there anything like that happened before? Yes, and I don't know whether to say names or not. Uh, oh, right, no, uh, right, okay, so, yeah. yeah, oh, um, yeah. I, I, so, will talk, I will talk vaguely about some things. So yeah. there have been some bands that, because of things I know about the band, I haven't been happy to support them and interview yeah. them. But, uh, and I've declined the interview request. But then on the day, a PR has brought them over to me, knowing that I've already said no, and in front of the band said, can you just speak to these guys? Can you squeeze them in? So there have been situations like that where I've had to do an interview despite, for moral reasons, not wanting to do it. And that's something that I found very stressful. Um, and there have been bands that, again, have said some inappropriate things to me that I've ended up not posting their interviews. Because... Oh, so there's interviews that's been recorded that haven't been... Yes, published there's a few really yeah. right yeah um that's a shame because i bet there were good interviews well like a bit well i bet 90 percent of the interview was good apart from the comment i suppose yeah but, and there um, was uh, there was one where this sort of a big band actually the um he was very um high on drugs and right. it was very obvious and because they're quite co- a big commercial band um i wasn't allowed to use that footage even though oh, they did you get told you can't use it? Yeah, I was forbidden by their label. Um, oh, fuck. So there's lots of things like that that happen that, you know, people never find out about. Um, and then there's um, some people that, you know, were just not very nice people as well um, that I wish I hadn't had put the effort in, you know. Oh, yeah. One, one a thing about when I did Download, actually, I was due to interview Whitesnake, and I was very excited about that because uh, I grew up listening to Whitesnake a little bit and I put in a lot of time researching um, for that interview and then last minute he decided he wasn't going to do the interview and wow. and it really kind of, I don't know, it just changed my mood for the rest of the day because I'd built up so much nervous energy and I'd been going over the notes all morning trying to prepare. My mind was filled with questions like directed to him and then for it to stop and then have another band come in instead, I was just like, oh, my yeah. brain is not in gear now. It's like... Is there any yeah. that you wish you you could do that you never got the opportunity to? Or any bands that you love and it's just never, ever come up? Yeah, I get. I would have loved to have interviewed Chester Bennington. Um, I was lucky enough to meet him um, and have a quick chat, but I never got to do an interview, so that would have been nice, obviously. Um, Deftones again one of my favourite bands so that would have been good but maybe it's a blessing because maybe I would have been a bit embarrassing I don't know um, <laughs> I don't know whether who are your favourite band I'm not actually who are you like your is <sighs> like some, I might be even surprised by the answer to this but is this even your music taste like oh the yeah the job that you yeah 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 I, I love it you... but I, I I'd also yeah. say I'm not like firmly in one box you know yeah yeah um, I I love pop music, 
most of the time actually I listen to film scores film scores are my absolute favorite thing I really like a really emotional like you know like Hans Zimmer Max Richter um Aaron Zygmunt lots of um composers like that um I genuinely would say I like most types of music, but because I'm emotionally tormented, I guess I do like metal and emo stuff as well because it, it allows me to unleash a, a little bit of, you know. It does. Like, that that kind of after gig dunt that you get is just amazing. When mm. you've been, you, you get, obviously, like, I love to like crowd surfing, like, mosh bits and that go nuts. Oh, and it's like a totally those, different yeah yeah I, I, I totally go for it i'm on shoulders and everything and that oh, so but there is like a kind of like euphoria you get just mm. like after it's done you feel like mentally drained but in a good way it's like you've yeah. just it's like you just i don't know it's hard but it it's is like a release such a good isn't feeling. it you've released yeah. something like a toxin or an aggression that you needed to get out but it's done yeah. so in a kind of positive way who are your favourite bands? What's your favourite type of music? I've got I've got three favourite bands. I've got mm. a Gallows, Biffy, and Motorhead, all for different reasons. But mm. um, like Death Vanna, they're one of my favourite bands of all time. Architects. Um, mm. There's like lots of I really love like the kind of Scottish music scene. Well, the kind of older Scottish music scene. Right. Um, there's a band called Suchio Pero um, that are amazing. Um, I'll write that down know. as well, shall I? <laughs> Yeah, oh, aye. Um, there's just, yeah, I've got a very, but then eclectic as well because, like mm. you said, you listen to film scores. I, I was listening to like Johnny Cash earlier on, and then nice. I was listening to Ellie Golden's I Came in Down from 2012, the one I had burning it. I love that album. Mm. Um, then I was listening to Kelly Clarkson's album not that long ago. Yes, Kelly. And yes. yeah, I love Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. I think she's unreal. Um, yeah. I love like Rihanna. And I do, I, I do love kind of all, I love rap as well. Mm. Uh, I do, um, but but as me as a person, like as an image, I suppose as well. By looking at me, I do love like rock and roll, heavy metal, and yeah. all that. Yeah. But I think it's good to be open, isn't it? Because I, in in every kind of situation, like I don't think it's good. You don't benefit from being closed off to anything, do you? you no, you no, could be like no. a, a song away from finding your favorite band, you know. But if you say I'm only going to listen to this station or this type of music, you're really yeah. restricting yourself. And I think for I me, it's raised, about feeling something. Yeah. yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I was raised in like Erasure, and like <gasps> uh, they're one of my. Fa- I got to I see love them. And I, felt, I love. They're brilliant. I went to go see them like a year or so back and I've never known how to not act at a gig before so I was so right. buzzing I was wanting to just jump up and like yeah. that's just not how you act like at a radio show it's really <laughs> weird and then I went to go see the Human League as well and I'm just mm. wanting to like total go for it if it's um, I was yeah Roy Orbison as well the Travel <gasps> I Mulberries. love Roy Orbison love Roy, Roy Orbison yeah. yeah the Travel Mulberries obviously yeah there's yeah. another band yeah again I was listening to that uh, their two albums yesterday just amazing stuff yeah. But you don't even realise, like, I was raised with all this stuff and end up just buying the records later on. Mm. And when folks say to you, like, your music taste, you just forget that that was something that you you still actively listen to yeah. and, you know what I mean, enjoy. So, yes, yeah, I think I don't think anybody can truly say, I just listen to dark metal all the time. Or that's mm. their... Everyone's got a... Not, I don't even like to say the word guilty. No. Um, you're thinking because it's not guilty. I don't mm. fuck up. Feel guilty about it. You know what I mean? I love Ellie yeah. Golden. I'll go see her if I want to. You know what I mean? That's too right. Um, um, yeah. 
Right. Kind uh, of one more question. Not even a question, really. Just a kind of conversation okay. of it. Um, years ago, mm. I tweeted you, and because this is how I find you, I find who you were. It was that Def Havana interview. Oh God. Uh, yeah, one of the best interviews. I, I honestly remember when it came out in like 2011. <laughs> I was like pushing myself a laughter, and then that's what kind of got me into finding more about your work. And then you did the Mallory Knox one. Uh, yeah. the mind matters one and stuff mm-hmm. like that you did loads of others and that but yeah do you remember that when that came out that would be as like as like funny and like popular as it did you know what I mean yeah well I remember it feeling like a funny experience at the time and there's yeah. such down to earth guys you know with them there's no they're not it's not a bravado they're not putting on an act they are always just being themselves and I always appreciate that in, in people but it's funny how I think about that interview now in hindsight and I start I worry like are they all right that you know I posted an interview with them that that they were clearly drunk in you know should I have actually checked that they were comfortable with that you know I as an older person with more I guess like being more conscious about people's mental health and you know addiction and all these sorts of things I wonder whether I should have explored you know whether it was okay that it it, it no. kind of spiralled in the way it did, and because I, I, it was funny and it was enjoyable to watch at the time, but I worry whether in like if that was posted today, whether we perceive it in a different way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's all about context. And it's all about hindsight as well. Yeah, like I, I watch. I mean, watching the time was like so funny, but then you look now. He wrote a song about that, like how drunk he was that day, and how yeah, uh, sorry, James. Um, about how you know what I mean and it's funny to look back and it'll always kind of be funny but um, I mean, I went to go see Havana uh, last year and they actually played snippets of that interview to come out to because obviously Did James they? is like fresh and sober now Yeah, he is like completely teetotal and um, it was like the snippet of like are you going to drink that mind he gave you the can of beer Yeah, and he took it and then it was the bit about um what was it like? Oh, they don't give us money; they just give us beer. What do they expect us to do, kind of thing? Oh yeah. But like, but it's like, but it's like kind of hindsight in that as well. You know what I mean? Cause at the time, it was a total laugh, and I loved the interview for what it was. But yeah. like you said, it's mental, and like if if you posted it now, it'd be a lot different. You know what I mean? Because yeah, Cause, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I don't it's, know if... it's weird to reflect on it, isn't it? Um, yeah. Because obviously people have a, a lot of fun, you know, people can have, have fun drinking and, you know, getting drunk with their pals and stuff. But you never know what's going on behind the scenes, do you? And whether what's no, no, fueled yeah. their need to drink or yeah. what's happened that day that might have encouraged them to drink more or, you know, what it's yeah. covering up. You just don't know. And at, at that point, I didn't really know them and I didn't know what I was coming into or the, and the no, context yeah. or anything. And we just had a laugh, yeah. but... In no way, like it's not like a like it can it should never be taken down because I love it, but it's just like it's but it is like hindsight, you know, and mental, yeah. like how you see things like years on and that. So yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing to ponder, and I think there's probably loads of interviews that if I watch with fresh eyes now, I might be like, oh, I wouldn't ask that now, or I would phrase that very differently, or you know, you know, and I think yeah. that's just what happens with the passing of time. I think. Um, our awareness has increased about so many different things. Um, yeah, 
How are you really critical of yourself? Do you look back and go, "Oh my god, I hate it," or like, "Oh, is it yeah. like any wonder somebody commented crap on it?" Like, are you really, yeah, oh, I'm my worst. I, uh, yeah, I'm a terrible critic, and I, I don't think I will ever be able to shift that. I think I'll always be very self-critical, and I don't mind to a point because I think it makes you improve and work on yourself and try to do better but I think there gets to a point where actually you're just a bit too hard on yourself that it just kind of scratches away at your confidence a little bit and makes you less inclined to try new things because you're like well I'll just muck that up so what's the point kind of thing so it's, yeah. it's like a balance isn't it and I think um, I, I'm at the wrong end of that balance probably quite a lot what about you do you think that you are critical yeah, of yourself yeah oh, definitely mind mm. I said earlier on how I usually give up after doing a couple of things. Mm. So basically did my first podcast, right? Got moaned about it. Not moaned about it. It was like, it was two and a half hours long or something. But I loved it because we yeah. just got sat and got pissed and talked. The next one I did, I travelled down to Liverpool and I was using this task cam that I'm using now. Mm. And five minutes before being done, I stood on the, the, like the, like the main adapter and it cut the power out. And I lost the whole thing. And obviously you can't really... You can't. It's like a, it's like a um, a guitar track or something. You can't just recreate that and just go right. through it. So I was. I'm, luckily, I'm doing it again, and like soon. And it's all a lot of times passed, and I've actually forgotten half the questions and half the answers. Mm. Um, so it'd be more natural. But so the next day, I went down to um, Swindon to record the interview with this episode two, Sam Ricketts. Yeah. And for some reason. I set up and he was doing something for like half an hour. So I set up, got the mics done and that. Everyone was fine. And for some reason, as soon as he sat down, it just went to shit in terms of there was feedback coming off things. Oh, the mic, no. you know the you know the um, adapter for like your mic and that, the, yeah. to, to plug it in. It was making just feedback noises. Oh. The mics were just... And I had to like stop it halfway through and like, right, we need to sort this. And, then, and I was like, after that had happened, I was like, I never want to do this again. Oh, I just no. didn't I want to do so it, and then I had to drive. I had to drive like seven hours back to oh, back to boring. Scotland, yeah. and I'm just sitting like I never want to do this again. Luckily, yeah. luckily I had a, a, like I got it cleaned up. It's edited. It sounds not too bad. I still hate it, but <laughs> because he was such a because he was such quite a good and nobody had spoken to him about that kind of side of his career. It got yeah. a decent amount of attention, and a lot of folks said like. You know what I mean? Nobody's ever done that. That's class. Keep it up. Don't delete it, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I know what you mean in terms of like you're just critical, and you, the times you just want to give up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like yeah. earlier on, like when I started for like thirty seconds and just forgot, I was like, "Fuck! I just want to hang up the phone now." Oh, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's it's yeah. just one of those ones. But you'll be the same, like if oh, if you're like halfway through an interview, mm-hmm. and a, like an answer doesn't go your way. Or the yeah. person's not saying you can't just mm. give up halfway through, you no. know. What I mean, you kind of need to, and it makes you a better, I'm not saying a better person, but better at what you do, and you learn oh, from experience sure. in a kind of oh, sense. Yeah, because I know that after we hang up this call, I will go over some bit in my head and be like, oh, I should have said <laughs> that, or maybe I should email him to edit that out, or you know, I could have phrased something better, or I said too much there. And yeah. I think like you're either that type of person or you're not, and I think that's very hard to change that part of your But it shows wiring. you care, though. It shows that you care. It's You're true, not just yeah. putting shit out for the sake of putting <laughs> yeah. shit out. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's uh, a positive way good. to look at it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm glad you kind of share that as well because I'll be critical when I'm listening <laughs> back to both sides of the audio later on. Like, God, oh, mate, you know, like, I'll phone her back and apologise. <laughs> no, because I think, like, 
I think you know if you've done a good job as a podcast host if the person you're talking to's enjoyed talking to you and it's gone fast. And for me, yeah, that's I've enjoyed thing. chatting yeah. with you and it's flown that's by. A, yeah. So you've yeah. done you've done your job to perfection. No, perfect. So. That's the thing. I knew you'd be good to chat to. I knew you because obviously it's your job to like, well, it was your job to like kind of do this. But I knew as a person you wouldn't be blunt, one over and done with. You know what I mean? You're very open to doing it, which was good um, when I messaged you a few months ago. And I'm glad we got it done. So yeah, I'm too. very, very grateful. I'm very, very grateful. Uh, cool. Is there anything else you want to add or will we Ooh. kill it there? Ooh, Is there anything know. you want to plug? <laughs> I don't know if you're doing anything apart sure. from painting your house. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, well, you can follow me on Instagram at Sophie Elgleton or if you're into DIY and home improvement, you can find me at Home With Egg. Um, I do have a podcast called Play, Pause, Repeat, but we are on hiatus so yeah. actually I should mention this because you might relate as a fellow ADHD person um that um so Kelly who I do it with she was like I- I've got a lot on I'm gonna have to take a breather for a little bit let's reconvene in a few months and I knew at that point we would never get back together again and do an episode because I knew what my brain was like I needed to keep the momentum up of posting every week or I yeah. knew I'd find something else to fill the time which has happened and this hiatus has now extended to being like over a year it's like are we ever gonna do another podcast i don't know do you know what i mean do you find that sorry do you find it overwhelmingly difficult so i hate social media in terms of like i don't i don't follow a lot of people i just like like to keep it nice i i grudge spending a lot of time on my phone Mm. but to be successful like i've i've got like 100 followers on my pod i don't really care who follows or who listens i just it's good for but the, the folk that do listen that appreciate it it's fine mm. but to to be successful you need to spend a lot of time editing you need to spend a lot of time with like analytics i watched like a thing on analytics and i brought up earlier on with you like it's yes. it's mental how it works <laughs> and i hate it yeah i hate it i just i just want to talk to people naturally yeah it's recorded cool and somebody else might benefit from that situation you know yeah. what i mean so it's just it's it's draining do you find the exact same with social media that you're just like yeah you've got to reply to everybody you've got to keep on top of it you've got to see what's trending what's new it must be i don't even do it it's a full-time job isn't it yeah 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 and i think Uh, my brain just isn't kitted out for that kind of thing like it's too much i'm not I find things like that for my brain just completely overwhelming. And then because I, I care about the people that, me- that message me, I then feel horrible guilt or shame if I don't reply to them and give them the time that I think their question or their their issue deserves. And so I get stressed about that. But then you can't be up at one, one o'clock in the morning helping someone who's struggling with their mental health that you don't know. But at the same time, yeah. you think, well, I put a podcast out about mental health, so I do need to help them. It is my responsibility. And it, yeah. it's just a minefield. And it's it's so hard, like you say, to do algorithm, you know, analytics, self-promotion, regular posting, create the content, edit the content, and get new new people for the next content i mean it's just a lot <laughs> yeah i worry about that because i've kind of got a pool of people that i've i've asked and they've all said yes i was like i'll, I'll speak to you when your time comes kind of thing yeah and eventually that'll run out and i'm like <laughs> fuck you know what i mean i'm lucky i've got a friend that edits everything for oh, me that's so nice uh, which is nice i i'm that shit with computers like <laughs> it, it does help a lot the fact that i managed to work this task comes amazing yeah well um, done well done uh, uh, <laughs> i'm proud of you that is good Perfect. Right. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for doing this. Genuinely. No um, 
we're at 40 minutes so I'm going to hang up and then we'll phone you back quickly okay. um, but genuinely thank you so much for doing this no um, worries at all I wanted, like, when I emailed you like I said I kind of thought you would do it and I'm glad you did and I'm glad it's been as flowing as it has been because it makes me feel a lot better that <laughs> when I fuck up you know what I mean like there was a couple of times like you just kind of not take over but just like you you know what I'm talking about so you just kind of yeah. answer in that which is always nice whereas somebody could just look at me like what the fuck is this <laughs> like black you know? <laughs> yeah exactly yeah right Sophie thank you so much no worries I'll see you in a second <laughs>